0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
1: We on this program and on this station have been paying very close attention to uh, the upcoming political races, both the primaries and then on down the road, the general election, as it is important. It is important to the future of this state. It is important to the future of the lives that you and I will be living. We have dedicated much time uh, to this. And while I have you on this topic, let me remind you that you have until June 30th to get your primary ballot in. And we here in the state of Utah, we are all mail-in this year. Uh, And while you do have a little bit of time, let me invite you to do so today. Fill it out. Sit down. uh, Sign it. Get it in the mail, will you? We're going to rock the vote from home this year with everyone here at ksl news radio for the next 10 minutes or so i'm going to be speaking with chris peterson we've had him on the program a time or two in the past democratic candidate for governor joining me now mr peterson sir how are you
2: hey i'm doing all right thanks for having me lee it's good to be with you
1: tell me at this stage of the game where 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 is your focus
2: Well, my focus is still on November. You know, I'm the only major party candidate who is guaranteed to be on the ballot uh, when we have the presidential election in November. And I'm uh, uh, trying to do everything I can to start to build a campaign. We've assembled a staff. We're raising money and we're ready to compete. I know that we are uh, uh, the underdog, but I think that if people listen and give us a chance, we're going to earn your vote.
1: Let me ask you this. You, you say that there are those calling you the underdog and, you know, numbers and history and such like that. That's probably not uh, too unfair of an assessment. But now what we have seen is both explicitly and implicitly and kind of between the lines, we have seen those who have been calling for members of the Democratic Party uh, or members of no party to register as Republicans to get themselves participating in their primary. As you hear members of the Democratic Party uh, explicitly uh, talking along these lines and advertising that tactic, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel as a candidate?
2: Well, you know, I think it just reflects that people are yearning to have their voices heard. We've had uh, Republican governors in our state for about 40 years And increasingly, I think that people in Utah feel like their voices are not being heard. The more important example is that in the past election, we had three different ballot measures, propositions uh, that overwhelmingly passed uh, by the public, but the state legislature immediately started to undo and unwind all of them, changing them, thinking that they know better than the ordinary voters do. I will protect those propositions. I'm going to be a vote for change, a moderate voice that cares about ordinary working Utahns and protects their interests. And I think that message is going to resonate. It has resonated in the Democratic Party. I I came out of my primary contest with 88 percent of the vote in a six-way contest. So I I feel confident that I have a strong mandate from the Democratic Party. Of course, there are some, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe self-focused, louder voices who are calling for this or that in the primary election for the Republicans. I'm not letting that distract me from focusing on what's going to take care of ordinary, Working
1: good, good for you. Uh, let, let's say you are successful in your effort. You become the newest resident to in the governor's mansion, assuming the position of governor of this great state. What is day one's objective?
2: we've got to get our economy back and going again. we got to get started. we got to build for the future. Uh, the first thing, the, the first step along that path is we've got to get the virus under control. You know, we're spiking again. Uh, despite all the work that we did uh, uh, trying to do social distancing and quarantining, we're spiking across the state and it's happening not just in Salt Lake City but in some of our more rural communities too, like San Juan and Cache County. So we've got to have a data-driven scientific approach to make sure that we're limiting the spread of that virus, not because we're going to necessarily shut down the government, the economy with the government action, but because people don't want to go out to to eat. They don't want to go to work. Uh, They're afraid. And the way that we're going to fear is bad for business. We got to get that virus under control. That's step one. Step two, we need to get uh, focused on education. Our uh, state has had the very lowest per pupil funding in the country for 20 years. That's not the way that you build a workforce of the future to attract and grow good business. Uh, The way we get our economy going, the first step is making sure that we have a pipeline of really great, talented, well-trained young people that can staff the uh, businesses of the future. Um, Third, I think we need to continue to have a low-tax environment uh, that's business-friendly, but does so in a way that ensures we've got affordable access to health care, and affordable housing. We, have, we need to do a better job of making sure that business is working not just for the owners of the business and for wealthy people, but we're spreading those benefits to everyone. So there's an incentive to, have, to work hard and to find dignity in our work.
1: Let's say you're the governor today. There are those who continue to protest in the streets, uh, calling for change, defund the police, uh, outlaw chokeholds, outlaw knee to the neck techniques uh, and tactics undertaken by law enforcement. How do you respond generally to that as governor of the state?
2: Well, the first thing to recognize is that we have a lot of problems in. And- Getting along with each other, being civil, being polite, uh, and overcoming some of our historical divisions. You know, I think that one of our challenges is that we've got leadership back in Washington that is dividing us and is pouring gasoline on the fire of our of our social uh, differences. If I become the governor, the first thing I'm going to do is start to try to bring everyone in and make sure all people, all Utah's feel valid and feel validated. Um, in terms of the specific reforms you're discussing. I I think that the chokehold ban that came out of the legislature is a good first step. Uh, there's more that we can do to try to help everybody feel included. I think we should uh, think more about whether or not we can reform police training, whether or not we can use more de-escalation, uh, whether or not we can do a, a bit of implicit bias training, whether or not we can do more to when we identify police officers that uh, are making the other uh, uh, cops look bad by being too violent. We need to you know, help them find a, a different line of work. Uh, and make sure that they don't bounce between uh, uh, police station to police station. Uh, that being said, I, I, there's no, I, I, don't, I don't appreciate and don't believe that violence or looting or, or vandalism is a solution uh, to our problems. That's not okay either. I'll, I'll be a law and order governor that, that expects that everyone follows the law and does so with civility and decency and the politeness that has made Utah a great place to live for so long.
1: Sure. Uh, You you didn't mention civilian review boards. That is a topic of discussion that uh, has been raised by uh, NAACP here in Salt Lake City. The Salt Lake City chapter, Janetta Williams, has mentioned that on this radio program. We have heard others discuss it. And we also know that here in Utah, uh, a law passed just last year removes any actual authority Uh, From these potential civilian review boards. So if they review the conduct of a police officer, uh, they can make recommendations to say the chief or the sheriff, but they don't have the authority to remove that officer from uh, his position or her position. Is that appropriate or would you further empower civilian review boards?
2: I think that civilian review boards are a great check and balance on law enforcement and can be uh, great to help uh, police officers rebuild trust in their communities. You know, one of the challenges is that our district attorneys and the attorney general see themselves as law enforcement, which is legitimate because we got to enforce our laws. But the problem is they get very close relationships to the police community. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's healthy. That's normal. But when there's a situation where the police have to police themselves, sometimes we need an outside, independent look that's accountable to the public and is connected to the community to take a look at whether or not a particular officer went too far or broke the law. And I think Independent uh, Civilian Review Board, are a positive thing. Different states, uh, different states, and different cities have gone in different directions on that. But I would be supportive of reforms that give civilian review boards greater subpoena power to gather information and potentially make uh, even charging decisions. If that's what a local government wants to do, want to be respectful about what's right uh, in Salt Lake City may not necessarily be what's right down in Carbon County, in Cedar City, and uh, or in uh, in Price or, or, or down in Hurricane. We, we we may want to have a different approach uh, throughout uh, the different jurisdictions of the state.
1: All right, we'll leave it at that. Chris Peterson, Democratic candidate for governor here in the state of Utah, sir. Thank you for your time, and good luck to you.
2: Hey, thanks so much for uh, speaking with me, Lee. It's great to be with you.
1: Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back, we're going to look specifically at the peace officer amendments. We're going to look at a piece of legislation which was passed in the Utah House and Senate almost unanimously yesterday, introduced by Sandra Hollins. It outlaws police use of knee on neck restraints. All those details ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio.